Oh my God, it's Sunday and I'm back already. <laughs> yes, I am back. So guys, this is a little bonus episode. I'm just introducing this new series to see if you guys really like it. So I wanted to add it in as a bonus episode and not the week's episode because it's not really planty, but it is planty. So I decided to be 100% different than any other plant podcast you've listened to. And um, I started wanted to start this little fun series. Um, also, it's the series, it's called Planty Potter, Potter. You can see it on the description, but I wanted to first clarify something. So <laughs> let me just say, I do not agree with J.K. Rowling's views and the things she's come out and said about trans women. Her treatment of the trans community is disgusting and no one should be saying these hateful things. So, hey, JK, trans women are women. So get that right, lady. The story, so the Harry Potter series is out there and the fandom has made it our story. We've made this our own story. So it's, it goes beyond JK. It's not hers anymore. This is just my small disclaimer. So you just please know that I don't support her views in anything in the matter with the trans community. If you like Harry Potter fandom and you don't like J.K. Rowling and you like plants, well, maybe this is the episode for you. And if not, I'm really sorry. And I can relate if you can't separate the artist from the art, then just my tips don't listen to it. But this is just me analyzing the Harry Potter series and associating one plant to a fictional plant to a real plant. So if you enjoy that, let's get into the series or let's get into the episode. Before we get into the series, I did want to just introduce the topic a bit. I did before the intro song, but I wanted to go a bit further with it. Let me just start off by saying something. I really dislike when things are hyped, like uh, books, plants, movies, series, anything that's super popular. I won't get into it until a bit later. Um, I had this with the Twilight books, which I now do regret reading uh, not to offend anyone who loves the series, but I just don't like it and I don't like the movies or the books. So I guess my my, my uh, taste in books and series has matured since I have read that series. So yeah, past me loved it. <laughs> Current me, not really. Uh, I had the same experience when I got with common green monsteras, even with variegated ones. Now I do own four green ones and a variegated one, but before that I didn't really want to get into this hype of Monstera, so I didn't want one. Uh, I'm really curious to know if you guys are like that too. I just like to stick away from hyped things. If I know it's hyped, I won't do that. I have that now a bit with plants when they're too popular, like anthuriums are so popular. I steer clear away from that and I just go deeper and deeper in Calathea land. <laughs> so you'll find me in, and that's why I think I have been doing common plant series, com common house plant series, because I'm just so 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not into the hype. Sorry, guys. It's just who I am. But if you are into it, do you do you. You love your plants. Like everyone has to do what they find is important for themselves. So Harry Potter. Um, I will say I came very late to the game or to the series. I only read the books when I was a bit older, so it wasn't when I was growing up, but I did grow up watching the movies, and I loved the movies, and I waited every year or every time so the movies came out, I was addicted to them. Now, I would say I'm pretty much a fangirl. Um, of course, I don't support J.K. JK Rowling's views, and she is no longer, as I said, the owner of the story. Like, it's our story. The fandom has taken over that. The story belongs to the readers. Ah, so that was a huge intro to the Blindy Potter series. Um, what I noticed watching or re-watching the movies and I rereading the books every year, which I own the books, so I'm not giving JK Rowling anything extra. Like, I've owned the books, so I can read my own books that's already gone. <laughs> so while doing that, I noticed that plants play a huge part in the entire Harry Potter series. Um, and today I wanted to pick one memorable plant from each book. And the books are better, so just don't disagree with me there. <laughs> Go read the books if you haven't. Like I was one of those people who said the the movies are amazing. The books can't be better. But look, don't get me wrong. The books are better. And I just, I was just totally wrong on that aspect. Um, let's get into it, guys. Harry Potter book one. So Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or if you're in the US, the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, this is the first time we're introduced to this universe. And there is already so much to take in as a reader that I think um, the author who we don't speak of wanted to leave the good plants for later. So that's when she started with the, I would say mediocre plants in book one. But I, I think it was because we were so overwhelmed taking in this new universe, which was quite amazing. And I must say, book one is one of my favorites. I know controversial, but it just brings me back to a moment in my own life where I was like, believing that all this could be possible and those kinds of things and I think that is just so precious <laughs> and Daniel Radcliffe as a baby so good I had a major crush on him I think he's a bit he's a few years older than me and I was also like when I watched this movie I had a huge crush on him and I know a lot of people had a crush on Daniel Radcliffe now um I'm too tall for him but <laughs> He didn't, he didn't have a growth spurt like I did. So back to the series. Sorry for my Daniel Radcliffe crush there. Um, Devil's Snare is the plant that I would say attacks like a snake. So Devil's Snare is the plant of book one, basically. It's the star of the show. It constricts and strangles you. It isn't a very common plant but people in the harry potter world can get them if they need it and of course you know if you know the right herbologists um you can get your hands on those i do bet that neville can get you one right now if you <laughs> express how much you love the plant he'll probably get you one 
Devil's Snare uh, released its grip. It releases its grip if you stop struggling and it hates the sun. I thought this plant would be like ivy, but since it hates the sun and dark and damp environment, I don't think ivy was the plant that was inspired by Devil's Snare. Devil's Snare wasn't inspired by, by ivy. So, yeah. This, as I said, this plant plays a big role in book one, but it also makes a devilish appearance in book um, five, Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix, when it kills Bodrick Bode in St. Mungo's Hospital. Uh, I could have included that in book five, but that'd be too easy. So I decided to stick this little fact in here for you guys. A fact you probably all know, but I thought I should be mentioning it anyways, of course. Because this is Plenty Potter series, I can include anything I find interesting. So, I did find that was funny. Um, probably the Bodrick Bodrick Bode uh, fact will be in some sort of plant, uh, like Harry Potter trivia night, and you'll probably win some points there. So, you're welcome. Now, let's move on to book number two, Harry Potter and the Chambers of Secrets. Arguably, this is the worst book and movie in the series, but this one has the best plants in it. A short mention, I would like to shortly mention the Whomping Willow Tree, which looks like a willow tree to me. I'll elaborate more um, on that in another one of the books, so shortly I'll be talking about that. But um, in book two... The plant I was looking the most for um, looking yeah I was really looking forward to talking about this one the most is mandrakes <laughs> if you know me you know I love mandrakes in the books we know that mandrakes can cry cries can be fatal when they're adults and when they're babies they can cause you to faint hey Neville <laughs> they are used in the book to brew the potion um to wake up the people who have been attacked by the monster of the chamber of secrets here i'm gonna talk about a mind-blowing fact that you probably didn't know as well so mandrogora officianium <laughs> you know i can't pronounce any of these things is a real plant with a magical past so, more commonly known as mandrake, in ancient times, the mandrake was associated with magical powers of fertility, and it was also associated with the possession of the devil. In ancient Rome, Greek, and Middle Eastern cultures, the mandrake was believed to be a plant that had magical powers, um, but not always good powers. Also, of course, the possession of the devil, so not, not always good powers. Mandrakes are native to the Mediterranean, and they are a perennial herb with large roots that do look like a baby and have poisonous fruits that are like quite circle. They kind of look like a tiny apple. The mandrake is also referenced the first time in the Bible in a story where Rachel uses the berries to conceive a baby. <laughs> and here's to me thinking that Mandrakes were actually created by the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. Um, so in Greece, mandrakes were regarded as a narcotic. They were used to treat anxiety, depression, and insomnia. 
These people were insanely smart, already inventing medicine and using roots and plants, which is, to me, really mind-blowing. Greeks also used um, the mandrake to make love potions, which is funny because in Harry Potter, we also have the love potion. I do wonder, I can't remember what a love potion is actually made of in Harry Potter, but probably one of you guys is going to be like screaming it right now and it's like, it's not a mandrake, but it could have been. So it could have definitely been a mandrake, but it's not. Um, let me see. And the Greeks were also the first people to register that the roots look like a human, which is also pretty smart Greek people. The Romans used mandrakes also for medicinal purposes, same as the Greeks. The Romans also brought mandrakes to Europe. And throughout Europe, mandrakes were really rare and expensive to import. Um, mandrakes are also called... <laughs> Satan's apples. I did say they look like apples. The fruits do look like apples. But uh, Satan's apples, be, they're named that because the fruit is poisonous. The mandrake is a member of the nightshade family and it takes two years for the plant to mature and to start producing fruit. Interesting facts, guys. There are actually different types of mandrakes. There's the American and the English types. And if you got, I could like Go on for hours, guys. If you guys want me to make a mandrake episode, let me know, and then I can make an episode all about mandrakes. I may even try my hand in growing mandrakes <laughs> after researching them. I find them quite fascinating. Let's do a water break. Yeah, you you get water breaks, guys. Stay hydrated. Um, let's go on to Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. So, arguably, this is the best book. <laughs> Three and four are my favorite, guys. So, which plant is the star of this book? I have determined, in my view, the star plant in this book is the Whomping Willow, which looks a lot like it was inspired by a willow tree. And... Here I am. I did intense research on different types of willow trees and I compared it to the Whomping Willow. And I think I have found the tree that looks quite similar to the Whomping Willow and it's called a Crack Willow. Um, yeah, so I did that research for you guys. You don't have to do it. But if you like to and you think I'm wrong, let me know. You know, I'm not of all, but that did look really similar to me. So let's go with it being the crack willow. The crack willow actually gets its name because the sound of the branches falling off makes a crack sound. Um, and actually because the trunk grows so fast that it can split open because it's so heavy. So crack willows often has like cracked trunks and that's why. So that's why the name. <laughs> um, this fact made me think of Harry Potter and the Whomping Willow a lot because it does, I can't, I can remember from the movie uh, that the Whomping Willow makes a cracking sound, but also it's super aggressive. So I don't know if it's a cracking sound or if it's hitting people sound. <laughs> the crack willow can usually be found near bodies of water in the UK, 
Europe and Western Asia. And because it's in the UK, that's why it made me think even more that this tree could be the one that was inspired by the Whomping Willow. So that's my take on the Whomping Willow. Let's move on to book number four, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. So this one's a bit difficult to pick one important plant, but in my eye, there was... In this book, there were two important plants. There were gillyweed and the maze. While the maze is an important part of the book and it concludes the Triwizard Tournament, gillyweed made Harry able to breathe underwater. If that isn't magical, then I don't know what it is. Um, So gillyweed is very tricky one to me because the only thing that comes to mind, since even Google can't tell me what it was inspired by, is seaweed. I think of gillyweed being seaweed. So it's inspired by seaweed. Let's talk a bit more about some nerdy facts about seaweed. Those dinner party facts you guys can share. You know, guys. So humans have been aware of the benefits of seaweed for like thousands of years. In Japan, they've been aware of it for even longer, like 2,000 years. Um, And that's probably why they invented sushi, aka the best food in the world. You can fight me on that fact. (laughs) Literally, you can fight me on that fact. I love sushi. This is, of course, um, really apparent because the Japanese have six different types of seaweed in their regular diets. So they love seaweed and they know that it's really important. Seaweed is actually a type of algae. And did you know what? Algae is about 75% of the air we breathe. So I do think that by my great detective work, I found what gillyweed was inspired with, right? Gillyweed is, makes you breathe underwater, the air, since algae is like 75% of the air we breathe, this must be something that like the author thought about when she was creating it. So I found it out, guys. You're welcome. I I know all the facts. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, so this takes me to book five, Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix, or as I like to call it, Harry's teen angst book and or my fiance's favorite book. Of- <laughs> I know it's really controversial to have book five as your favorite book because most people don't like book five, but hear me out. This book, the plant star in this book can only be the one, the only, the Mimbles, Mimbles, Mimbletonia. Why can I not pronounce this right now? I was doing it like five minutes ago. It's fine. Um, Which is, I think, this plant is 110% inspired by a cactus. You know it. You knew this was coming. And we're just not even going to go there. If you want to know all the information about cacti, go listen to the episode number one, 101 Cacti with Lisa, and you'll learn a shit ton. Um, Yeah. For book six and seven, I've combined them because honestly, there's not much plant action going on in those books, unless you count camping as a plant. And um, then there's a whole lot of camping in book seven. (laughs) <laughs> so that's it. This basically concludes my Planty Potter series. I really hope you enjoyed it. I certainly knew, enjoyed 
making all these little connections between fictional plants and real ones. I did quite a lot of research trying to find which plant is connected to a fictional one and to like which real plant is connected to this fictional one. But I really enjoyed doing this. So if you guys really want to hear this again, I could totally do it. Let me know if you want because I could totally see this being a planty pulp pop, pop culture series. Um, and I see myself doing a planty Pokemon one. So if anyone's interested, let me know on Instagram because I would definitely do it. And of course, I do it as a bonus episode. So you guys weren't robbed of your normal plant content. So yeah, have a great Sunday evening, guys, and have a great week. And I'll see you next week. Bye. Oh, yeah. And if you enjoyed this, uh, this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. That would help the show a lot and uh, help us find listeners that really want to listen to plant content or planty nerdy facts. Thanks to everyone listening, guys. Bye. The beautiful Bossa Nova music in this episode is written and produced by Leonardo Ju Camargo and it's called Vergi Brasil. If you'd like more information about him and all of his services, you can find his website in the show notes.